These hapless heroes are hoping to heaven that this heavenly halfling will be helpful. This week on Hapless Heroes. I might have a finger in there. Hello and welcome back to the Hapless Heroes Podcast. My name is Dave and I will be your host and dungeon master for this evening. And we shall, of course, start this evening the same way we start every other one by introducing our cast. And I'm going to start to, oh, let's say my right side on the table with Francesco is the fabulous Felix Fizzlebottom. Who can sleep at a time like this? To his right, we have John as Lord Jarrell the Light. No matter what, it was all worth it to get pregnant, his sausage friend. To his right, we have Nicole as Boris, the benevolent butcher. Ugh, I slept great. To her right, we have Zach as pregnant. Chorizo is my friend. He is the big spoon. And to his right, we have Mike as Lord and Captain Quinn Southwind. I just have a really big craving for cocktail sausages. To his right, we have James as Hoblet, the Smasher. Good evening, friendos. And we return to our party, just having retired for the evening in the mysterious abode of one Bruhoff Lightfoot, the transmutationist that they were told about and went to seek and found in a definitely uh, very strange tower in... Uh, in or on the outskirts, perhaps, of a uh, halfling town in halfling heaven. Uh, if we're just opening right back up into the whole Bruhoff house situation, I'd like to just, as my sort of, uh, you know, everyone here has got their shtick with the whole, like, I have dark vision thing, or most people here, right? So I'd like to pull my own. I have little, dark like, vision. I, I, I have, have dark vision. Wait, dark here? <sighs> I invited right? this in. It's we, my fault. It but. is right now. Because we have hit that point just before everyone retires into their rooms, but they have not quite retired into their rooms yet, unless you would like that time to be different. I mean, that's fine with me. I'm just saying that because, now this is my moment, Felix doesn't have to eat or breathe or sleep anymore. Um, as part of really? one of my class features. Yeah, uh, it is the uh, undying nature. I can hold my breath indefinitely. I don't require food, water, or sleep. I still need rest. Um, uh, and I age more slowly. Um, only one year for every 10 years that pass, and I can't be magically aged. So, uh, the whole no sleeping thing, um, Felix wouldn't have been able to sleep even if he could. Because, obviously, time is ticking. All of our hopes hinge on this one semi-reluctant halfling that really is only doing this to feed his own ego. Um... So Felix is, like, as he's, you know, going to, like, as, as people are starting to retire or do their thing, like, he finds, like, you know, I, I, do we have, like, private rooms or are we all sharing, like, a guest room? 
you are shown to a guest suite, which is um, kind of oval, um, maybe about 30 feet by 20 feet wide, and it has eight rooms off of the main area there that uh, are each like a little, maybe, you know, eight by 10 little kind of apartment room just with a little bed and a dresser in them. Okay, so that was what I was curious about. Just making sure there was a, a private area for... Yes, okay. there's a private area, but with a common area for everyone. That's fine. I'm going to go retire to one of the private rooms. Felix is going to pull out of his bag of holding a very old and dusty tome. And, you know, begin, you know, reading through it and essentially just saying, like, to himself, like, Listen, I don't know if this works or if you can hear me, but I'm going to try to, like, he's going to try to essentially perform a ritual um, to commune with um, or commune for some guidance, some luck maybe even from his patron. Who okay, then. knows just exactly how to formulate a brilliant plan and is what has inspired Felix throughout his entire professional career as a warlock. And I'll spend my restful time okay. doing that and just sort of like hoping to glean some sort of otherworldly insight through whatever means necessary. Like I set up like, you know, some candles and, you know, I, you know, sit, kind of sit on the floor and like meditate and just try to like again commune with this otherworldly, you know, because this whole time I haven't never really ever had any direct contact. I just you know know that that's where my power comes from. It's still a big mystery, but okay. you know this this tome this tome is something that Felix has been holding with him ever since the beginning, and it's just sort of been in his possession, and he never of really course. you know doesn't really pull it out, touch it. But this is you know part of his backstory it is written in there uh and yeah just do that that's it that's it that's all i wanted to say okay. i'm just gonna put that out there and just like let that marinate and just sit that's what felix is doing as we okay good i want to just kind of keep that thought i want to put just the slightest of pins in it because i want to address that in a moment but i want to see what everybody else is uh doing with their evenings before we really dig down on that one because i, I kind of like where that's going so, uh, John, or I'm sorry, Jarrell, what are you doing in this common area or your rooms? Are you retiring directly to sleep? Or are you doing anything in particular? Um, Jarrell would ask for uh, Pregnard and the, what, what's the sausage's name again? Chorizo. Chorizo. <laughs> if they would assist him in trying to take off his armor since his squire is presumably still with, um, oh, what's his name? Clangin' and Silverbeard. Probably yeah. still. That's going to be very traumatizing for him when we get him back. Or he's just going to be—he's going to be a man then. If he wasn't <laughs> <before>. <laughs> you think I'm bad? <laughs> Dwarven hookers. Mm. <laughs> yeah, Pregnant's no always down to help you take off your armor. <laughs> There's nothing sexual about that. You guys no. are sick. No. He's just very helpful. and I, I, we're, we're specifically referencing the fact that my squire 
um, Sven is spending a significant amount of time with Klangard and Silverbeard and, or Hans, Hans, sorry, not Sven, Hans. They're spending a significant amount of time with Klangard and Silverbeard and presumably some uh, dwarven hookers. You can take the presumably out of there. I love that for him. <laughs> I hope he has a good time. I hope he wears a rubber. Or a lamb skin or whatever the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. What would it be for a dwarf? Like a... Well, how about we? Skin? So you know what? Let's not let's not even dive into this. We don't need <laughs> yeah. to know. These are no, not the really, really some D and D games get into this. Some D and D games, like you know, characters have relationships with each other, and there's sex and all that. And honestly, I don't find that to be particularly compelling adventure storytelling. So I don't really care how they do or don't uh, have babies because that's not part of the story. Well, and would Clangadin have? Fans. Would Clangadin have them anyway? Well, I, I, I want to I leave that up to I mean, our listeners. He's a god. As a, like a creative exercise. I, I could. You guys can add you. some erotic fan fiction to our wiki if you like. Please don't. We'll no. Please don't. Oh, no, I don't. Dude. I don't want that. I don't want, I want it. New Discord. Yeah. Yeah. I want to share. You are you are inviting in a world of things that yeah. you don't know what you're asking for. Dude, the internet you know is such yeah. a weird I can, place. I, I can promise you, none of you are prepared for what the internet would do with these I <laughs> don't care. I Dave, know what the internet would Dave, do with these You say we've only made it once we've gotten haters. I think we've only made it once we see some erotic fan fiction. <laughs> I'm pointing at him right now. I feel pointed at. I feel seen. Thank you. <clears throat> Y'all need to be super careful what kind of <laughs> shit <I'll laughs> Just make it the James and Zach channel. Yeah. And it can just- Yeah. It can only be characters involving our our either characters voiced by right. myself or James can evolve right. in, in oh. erotic fixations. Ma- I was gonna say, are you better. really ready for rule thirty four pregnant? Are you? You know what? It seems like an if you really love if us. If it's well if it's well written, go for it. Right. It won't be. If you have a passion for it. <laughs> Let's see it. Oh, no, there's going to be a lot of passion, just not any good writing. I want to, well, that has yet to be seen. I'm excited. I'm very <laughs> wrong. All right. So we're going to kind of bring this one in a little bit. Damn it. We're going to, we're going to kind of, we're going to kind of loop this, uh, loop this uh, kind of side tangent in for a second. And I kind of want to shift over. So uh, Jarrell, you are being assisted with, um, with uh, removing your armor and. By a sausage and a frog. Strictly non-sexual. Sausage and a frog. And while I will say that while things go smoothly, they mostly go smoothly because some of the work is lubricated by frogs. I, have, I imagine there is no getting around that. I mean, you knew what you were asking for. Yeah. And sausage yep. grease. And sausage grease. Yeah. I mean, I you really, did conjure yeah. this 45-pound sausage. <laughs> we're really the quite the twosome. Just leaving slime oh, everywhere. Yes. A, a duo so dynamic that Batman and Robin are shaking their heads. They're good. Armor is coming off. We know that about Jarrell. So how about uh, Boris? What are you up to on this fine and delightful evening? So before going to bed, Boris is going to definitely go through every dresser in every sleeping alcove, looking to you know see what sort of interesting stuff is in there. Uh, starting with the one furthest from... The room that Felix is in. 
Okay. So in the room furthest from the one that Felix is in, and we're going to say that, uh, you know, we go left to right, one through eight. Felix is in number one because he didn't tell me which one he's in, so he's in the one furthest to the left, which means that, uh, Boris, you'll be starting from the one furthest on what would be the right as you enter this room. Room, oh, what I'm going to call my shorthand number eight because I'm super creative. And in that room, there is a bed with uh, some linen sheets and a uh, unspectacular but uh, warm and comfortable blanket. One single pillow. Uh, you know, it's a twin bed, wood frame. Um, a, you know, a dresser with a couple of drawers in it. Uh, they don't seem to have anything in them, but there is a Bible of the Church of Valen in uh, the top drawer, because those magically appear in all uh, hotel or uh, overnight lodging drawers everywhere in all realities. Although you would wonder why there needs to be a gospel of uh, Valen in her own heaven. It seems redundant. Would Boris wonder that? Would she? I don't know. Maybe that's my own <laughs> private wonderings and I'm projecting, but I'm the DM and I can do that. I feel like, judging from Jarrell, it seems like the followers of Valen are just very thorough. Like they're going to get to heaven. They're going to be like, our job's not done. We're, we're going to go full tilt up here as well. Maybe this isn't the real heaven. Maybe it's just a test. Uh, They're just Mm. preaching to the choir. I mean, would I do that? Would I have this be a fake heaven and not have it be a real test? I saw what you did there, by the way, friend. Uh, Yes, I would absolutely do that. But since we don't want this to be a 10 year long campaign, we're not going to actually do that. Only a five, five year long Five more campaign. years. <laughs> five more years. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Then in that case, then with room two, I'm going to start by looking under the blank. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're going to assume that as long as the people occupying these rooms don't object to you rifling through their rooms, that you will eventually get there. I will tell you if you find anything uh, spectacular, if I feel like it. Yeah, two through seven, I'm going to continue just, like, popping the door, because I already know Felix is in, like, the last room with the door closed, right? So two through seven, I'm just going to, like, peep through really quick, rifle through the dresser, whether or not there's somebody in the room. I'm just going to pop in and, like, openly rifle through the dressers in those ones. (laughs) (laughs) And and I would say that Felix had locked the door behind him, but that's sort of a, a moot point when we're talking about Boris, so... I don't think I bothered to lock the door because if anyone wanted to get in here, they could anyways. Um, but if, do you try to enter Felix's room with the door closed? There's no sock on the door. I mean, once I get to Felix's room, yes, but I, I pop the door open. I try to be quiet and not disturb him without paying any attention to really what he's doing because I don't care, but I'm trying not to bother him. So I'm trying to be completely silent and still check what's in the dresser and then just leave. Does everyone realize that she's walking in on Felix pre-ritualizing? Wait, wait. No, no, no. I am. Hi, Hi. All right. So wait, I want to put a break there. Um, time is pausing for you, Boris, as you are opening the door to Felix's room. I don't want to advance past that right now. But yes, you may or may not catch him pre and or actively ritualizing. Actively ritualizing. Yes. Pregnart, what are you up to aside from or in addition to helping the good Lord Jarrell with his arm. Uh, Pregnart is using shape water to fashion little hats for Chorizo. 
Okay, so multiple hats for Chorizo, or are you doing matching hats for yourself and Chorizo? Oh, mm, yeah, definitely matching hats. <laughs> Fantastic. Keep, keep a thought of, you know, any particular hat styles and uh, that you may be wanting to wear at any given point, but I really like that. I think it's adorable. Thank you. Okay, so uh, how about uh, Lord and Captain Quinn Southwind? What are you up to at this exact and precise moment? Um, so Quinn walks into room number five, um, potentially after Boris has probably already been in it. Um, he notices kind of a a smell, whether there's there's one or not, uh, but he thinks that there is. Uh, so he pulls out his um, his perfume. And he just starts scenting everything in the room. Uh, everything gets a scent. So uh, if Boris has yet to go in there, she smells it when she goes in. It's kind of like a lavendery vanilla. Um, and so he makes everything smell smell great. Uh, and then um, what kind of other, like, is there, I assume there's like a bed and like what other furniture is there? There's a single twin bed made of uh, very uh, simple looking uh, light stained wood, probably maybe a pine or a lightly stained oak or something like that. A dresser and a matching wood, three, uh, three, uh, three drawers high, stands about, I don't know, whatever uh, dresser height usually is. Um, what are the linens? The linens are actually linen. They're uh, slightly off-white linen. Uh, you know, two sheets and a uh, two sheets, a blanket of uh, we're going to call it sort of an olive greenish, uh, sort of like you know army surplus or something like that. A little nicer, but not too different. In a single pillow with a uh, white twenty-five. Twenty-five. Oh, geez. It's linen. Uh, he he immediately pulls out his own set of linens um, and he remakes the bed. He pulls out a down comforter that is slightly purple, but more on the, I guess, it's like, it depends on what you think of as purple. Um, some people say it's pink, but I, but it's purple. Um, so he puts the down comforter on the, on the bed. Um, he, he accepts the pillows as is. He wishes they were better, but um, he's happy with his new linens now. Just as uh, just as um, kind of um, a question here, from whence are you producing these bulky linens? Um, from whence? <laughs> when I was in town last. Okay, from where? What bag are you holding them in? You're gonna um, pick on my use of English. We're gonna play so this. Fucking you know, piece. you know how the there's this coat that I wear. <laughs> okay. So there's a Wait, special was way. The was this the coat that was uh, borrowed? It was. It okay. was. Boris had it for a while. She did return it back to me. Um, so there's these like this way of like uh, folding your linens that you can make it really really small, and he keeps it in like different pockets in his coat, just in case. Different pockets. So like you have this. Yeah down comforter split into multiple pockets do you like assemble it like sew it to yourself when you're going to use it yes oh my god <laughs> <laughs> how big is this coat it's i mean like you it's wore it sewn, it's sewn into the coat like he rips out the there fucking is. down comforter from the inside let's, like all let's the put pen. it this way the coat flips around and becomes the down comforter there it is 
Sure. Okay. I, I somebody please make a note that your coat is actually a wondrous item that can be a comforter if necessary. I don't know if it's wondrous. It's probably like rare or something like that. But we have decided that that's what it is now. This is how you flavor a magic item into existence. Yeah. yeah. Love it. Ha- have you washed that jacket since I gave it back to you after sleeping in it for like a week? Or does it still smell like I slept in it during like a um, battle on a well, right boat? Right now it smells skeletons. like lavender and vanilla. Currently, right, exactly. Like So currently it is a lavender vanilla smell with like, like a, 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 a weak scent of B.O. But manageable with the lavender and vanilla. Yeah, I imagine Boris doesn't frequently let herself get super ripe. Howevs, we were yeah. had no I, choice. I I know preteen and teenage girls, so sometimes not always. Though. Huh. That's fair. But any whoozle, let's get to. Because Quinn, I imagine this process takes at least a little bit of time. The yeah. you know scenting of the and it's got to get it, I you know <laughs> and every corner has to be perfect. Yeah, absolutely. Can I make a slight adjustment to Boris's timeline in here, or not even adjustment, but a note on Boris's timeline? When I get to room five, is while Quinn is making the bed, um, and I I pull a pillow out of one of my pockets, you know my my magic pockets that. I, it's not that I'm wearing a pillow. I'm just going to note that I'm not. Yeah. See, at least I, I know that you shirt. have magic pockets <laughs> and or a bag of holding. Quinn so I'm just not. like pull a pillow out that actually kind of matches his, you know, duvet as much as possible out of the pillows I have in my pockets. And I, I hand him a pillow and then continue on as I was doing before. I don't think anything of it. He is handed I take it and yep. I put it on the, on the bed. You are handed a pillow. It doesn't smell like lavender and vanilla, and try as you might, you cannot make it smell like lavender and vanilla. Fair it enough. does, however, Fair. smell like a fresh stick of bubble gum that came out of a pack of baseball cards. I can accept that. That's a specific smell. I'm smelling it right now. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good smell. <laughs> Late 80s, early 90s, tops bubble. baseball card pack bubble gum that was rock hard at first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that exactly that. Same mm-hmm. smell when you open a bag of Big League Chew. Exactly. So, uh, or bazooka. Oh, yeah. So anyway, Hoblet, what are you doing in the room that you have made it to? Well, let's just say I haven't made it to a room quite yet. Um, Quinn, do you make the bed first or do you scent your room first? Sent the room first. Why does so, he look disappointed when you said that? I don't know. I'm <laughs> curious. <laughs> so, Hoblet just wants to come in and relax. Sits in my room? You, no, no, no. Just in the main oh, room. Okay. Right. Just sit, kind of sit in the common room, see what everybody's doing. You know, we've had a long. It's been a minute since I've just got to take a load off. Maybe pop some of my armor off because I don't need. Squires to do so, I can just take my own armor off. Um, and I will say, Hoblet gets moderately annoyed at the Febreze smell that is wafting out of room five. 
not Febreze. It's no, it no, 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 no. These are vanilla sticks that are that are uh, not sticks. Vanilla um, petals that are literally been. Um, no, wait. Take that back. They're lavender petals that have been soaking in vanilla, and it is a beauteous. It's almost. It kind of yeah. has a slight sense of scent of alcohol to it, Hoblet. To be honest, I bougie Febreze. Bought, I just yeah. bought that Febreze this week. Lavender. No, 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 no. It's not Febreze. You would like this smell. It has a a very a tinge of alcohol scent to this it. This podcast is also not sponsored by Febreze. Not at all. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> at this um, point, I don't think we can be sponsored by anybody except for I don't know, like you know, ourselves. Yeah, like Manscaped might give us a look. Raid Shadow yeah, Legends maybe. and even shake their head and say no right. thanks. Um, <laughs> Stitch fix. If so, I'm gonna putz around for a minute until he makes his bed because I, you know, I've known Quinn for a minute, so I know he's got this ridiculous blanket thing sewn into his coat or whatever. And Hoblet might try to uh, just go into Quinn's room and maybe lay on the bed real quick and just be like, oh, oh hey, no. what's uh, what's going on? So I don't know, Dave, if there's like a check maybe that you want us to check off or something here, but I definitely want to try to go mess with Quinn real quick because the whole place smells like fucking lavender and vanilla now. Yeah, it and smells I, good. Hey, oh, all right. So I, I'm I'm just kind of stalling in my head for what would be a sufficient role for antagonism, and I would say that. Um, well, okay, we're gonna break it down to a few things. Hoblet is trying to enter the room. Quinn, are you physically trying to prevent Hoblet from entering the room? <laughs> How long has it been since he's showered or bathed? Long. Well, yeah, I am. I am. I let's. Would I have bathed at Clangid? No, we don't bathe. No, it's been a minute. It's been a month. Okay, so um, I, well, wait, 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 wait. Were you? Uh, did you make the services of any of the professional ladies who visited Clangid and Silverbeard? Yeah, but that's like that's like they insist you shower first. Ah, okay. Mm. So I did shower at Clangidens. Yes. So he no doesn't smell as ripe as he normally does. But my armor does. Sliding scale. Um, yes, I mean his armor smells like rust, and any of the any of the like uh, padded layers underneath the mail would, of course, smell like a mixture of rust and bo. But I mean, for Hoblet, yeah, it's, it's better than it normally is. Um, yeah, sliding scale and all. I let's let me put it this way: I passively try to like I don't prevent him from coming in the room. But you know how like when you don't want somebody at your house, you just stand in the doorway. Does that make sense? So I'm like passively just like blocking his path into the room. Like, oh, hey, okay. bud. Yeah, yeah. A long time. Yeah. This is great. But like, yeah. I, you got to like, right, like, you're trying to arm, arm over the threshold. Like, what's up? Like, <laughs> <laughs> how are you doing? Doing a thing here. Just, yeah. What's All up? Right. I don't know that I would try to force my way past him. I'm, ju I'm just trying to mess with him a little bit. So maybe okay. I go give him a hug or something. All right. If you're just trying mm. to antagonize him. Um, yeah. let's make it any charisma-based check you would want to use. Just let me know which one you're using. 
It's probably well, gonna be intimidation. Come on. I no, maybe, I'm not trying but to scare I don't want to put words in his mouth, you know? I'm actually gonna go with persuasion. Okay. Yeah, be persuasively annoying. Oh. <laughs> so, so what's my what's my counter check though? Um well, a tablet, we're going to make it constitution for reasons that should be obvious <laughs> enough. That's oh. unfortunate for me. Okay, hey, cool. Hey, Quinn, you got to... Uh, well, actually, it's, it's not bad. Go ahead. You got any extra sheets in here or something, buddy? Uh, I think my room's a little scarce. Fourteen. Oh, my God. I'm in. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he says I have, to make a, I have to make a decision and it's, it's not going to be a very intelligent one but give me a second so I just rolled I just one. rolled a nat one do and not so, <laughs> do don't I, bother no, no, do don't I bother wasting you know what lean into it lean I'm, into it uh, you um, cough and by the time you finish coughing I'm laying on the bed <laughs> I think that's a fair assessment of that. Yeah, Wait, the battle we had out there, friendo. Well fought. So, All right, now so, who's so the like, big spoon? Yeah. So like in the Peanuts comics, oh, when you see that pig pen character, just that vague cloud wafts by as, you know, mm-hmm. as Hoblet slips under the arm. You put it a little too high on the, uh, on the door frame, you know, misjudge the height a little bit. Hoblet walked right under the thing. Um, I actively just start like spritzing the area at which he walks through, um, just for my own benefit. Um, but I'm I'm definitely peeved that he is now currently laying on my on where I'm gonna uh, sleep. My my sad. bed in my room is a little bit more comfortable. Just wanted to see if I wanted to trade since it smells so good in here. Oh, thanks, buddy. And then I'll just I'll just walk out and go to my room. There's no hookers and there's no booze, so I'm going to bed. Well, both both things are are potentially going to happen. You, they just aren't there yet, right? Not now. You know me. You know Quinn. Come on. Yeah, but I mean, where are you gonna? Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. How many mannequins does he have? Make it happen. (laughs) I was about to ask. Does he have mannequin feet? I just start. I just start like like pulling hookers out of my out of my uh, coat. Right. I was gonna say he's got another coat. You mean mannequin fingers? Your girlfriend. Oh shit! I forgot about the mannequin thing. Uh, I might have a finger in there. Just one. Okay. One finger. That leaves, this this leaves me with more questions, but I and you, I don't you want don't want the, the answer to. I do you not. don't want the answers. To. I do not. There is yeah. one thumb in the pocket of the coat. Yeah. Some that's, that's are just not for the audience to know. Close. Nobody. None of the characters actually know that it's there. No, but That's we do now. You do of now. Of course, yeah. probably will. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's move on, please. Yes. Okay, good. So we've we've gotten through these things. Boris has made the most minor of nuisances of herself by, you know, doing a little bit of advanced scouting on the rooms, a little bit of rummaging. Hoblet has made a slightly larger nuisance of himself in a more targeted fashion. 
Um, you know, the, the, the frog and the sausage are, you know, the ray of purity that they have always been. Nothing but good and helpful and, you know, bringing a real uh, flavor of, I don't know, some kind hats. of namaste or hats. One or, the, one, of, one or the other to the group. Namaste or hats. <laughs> so, we get to Felix. So you're communicating to your patron through this book. Kind of. I mean, like, well, I mean, more like performing one of the rituals that are described in the book to attempt to commune with this entity. Um, In order for me to do this, I can't have anything inhibiting me. So Felix is in his natural form. So like, you know, alien baby, right? Completely like white, like pale skin. You can even see all the veins that like are running through my body. It's almost like my, my skin is translucent and I'm in the newt. But I'm like a Ken doll. Because I'm Felix is a changeling. I can be man, woman. I can be, you know, I could turn into whomever I've seen as long as they're my size, roughly. Um, and I like eyes rolled back in his head, head up, arms out, like, you know, like fingers pinched together, legs crossed. And I'm like floating about three or four inches off the ground and just like speaking in tongues. Felix would not notice you entering at all. Okay. So you're addressing the book, but you're not really paying much attention to the book then? Uh, once the ritual and the, you know, actual like speaking and performing of it has started, it's sort of like a trance, right? Like it's a, it's, it's part of the ritual. Like I, for the next, like however long, like I'm sort of just like in this re- repetitive and, you know, like, you know, somewhat like magical state, right? Like as I'm reading through and like and reciting uh, over and over again, that's the same like passage or two, right? In whatever language it's written in. Okay. Um, you do that and you kind of float and the book floats in front of you, pages open, because it seems like a really good uh, sort of image going on here. Um, and as you're doing this, uh, a line appears scrawled in a blank space on one of the pages. What was your plan B? Is that what is that what's written on the? That is uh, that is yes, exactly what uh, comes there. A nice, flowing cursive, kind of like you know, in back in the days when people used to have nice flowing cursive. The plan B, you know, has quotations around it. You know, uh, question mark. You know, extra squiggly and curly. Um, does do I feel like it's expecting a response from me? I can't tell you how you feel. Um, okay. Uh, I guess I'm going to try to like regain control of my faculties a bit now that I've seen at least something happen um, and pull out from my bag uh, an ink pen and a, or like, a, like a quill, I'm sorry, right? And like a ink pail just right back, you know, chop my forehead off. 
<laughs> that was plan B. <laughs> and I'm going to put back a question mark at the end of that statement. And, 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 and then, like, just kind of, like, stare at the book. The energy hangs there for a little while. And that's when Boris would open the door and enter the enter the room. Um, Boris, I am I was gonna say if 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 that if that's the case, if Boris is walking in at the at, at the tail end of this, I'm going to shut the book immediately as she as she walks in and be like, What are you doing in here? This is a private this is this this I this is I can't no, get out. I mean, are you facing the door? No, I just heard I mean that, but I mean, if I could feel the see the light coming in from behind me, because this is dark other than the, just the candles I have lit that I'm sitting around. Were there uh, lights on in the room out there? I would assume it was well lit. Yes. So you enter from a well lit area into a darkened room where a pale and naked Felix, you presume, is being very agitated and animated about you walking in on him during some sort of private time. Is she presuming that he's pale, or is she presuming that he's naked? He There's is no presumption. This, this, this is this is fact. <laughs> there was the word presuming it. in that. So presuming that it's him. Presuming that it's him because oh, you've I never see, seen him I in this see. form before. Yeah, or I can't remember whether or not Boris has seen Felix in that form before because it's really hard to keep track of all this stuff. I don't think in that exact form. When I was astro projecting, I did look like that. Were you naked? You were like in robes and stuff. I though, was. Right? I was yeah. in my my clothes. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, seeing seeing Felix agitated, Boris can recognize that it's Felix, whether she you know, can visibly you can also, recognize yes. or not. You can also it, like it just is an auditorily recognize that it's Felix because he's shouting in a very familiar voice. Yeah. So Boris kind of like she doesn't say anything at all. And she kind of does that, like, hunched over shoulder, you know, if you were going to, like, slink out of a room backwards. So, And she slinks back <laughs> one one step and then kind of looks at Felix and slinks back a second step and then looks at Felix again. And then quickly, still in the slinking position, scurries forward, looks at the drawers quickly, and then scurries back into the room and closes the door. Okay. Uh, yes, there is the uh, there is the same. Well, actually, with everything that's gone on in here, the sort of energy this room had. Ooh. When you open the drawer, you find a pile of ash where you would expect to have found the Gospel of Alan. Okay, instead of just scurrying out that and when <laughs> Boris finds the pile of ash, she grabs a handful and throws it at the ground, trying to make like a smoke bomb <laughs> kind of reaction with it, and then scurries backward into the room and slams the door. <laughs> the ash leaves a disappointing plume, only a few inches to maybe a foot high. A pity, just about three feet short of what it would cause to really uh, effectively mask your escape. I don't know. I, I still just leave anyway. anyway. I but have no idea what the fuck that, that just, was. That just happened, and the door closes, and Felix, your room returns to darkness. I opened the book right back up to that same page. 
underneath it just says disappointing. Underlined, but in the same script. Fuck. Okay. Well, that's something. I'll, I'll take. I'll, I'll just. I'll take that with me and try to. I'm gonna spend the rest of the night like thinking about what other, what other, like other plans. Good. Night passes. Everyone gets a sufficient amount of sleep, enough that it would be considered a long rest, and we are awake in the morning. Now, do we have any early risers among the group? I didn't Does sleep. You. Really? We could have never told. So, uh, I don't have to sleep. It's very dark vision of you. Every time Hoblet wakes up sober, there's something about the morning air that makes him sick. So, he doesn't wake <laughs> up really. Sounds good. Uh, so, either you... Um, brought some hair of the dog with you or you're going to get bit. Um, Jarrell, you're usually an early riser type, aren't you? Uh, yeah, he would be up early uh, looking for the continental breakfast, which I'm sure they have. Um, so you're up early and in the common area and um, nothing has happened yet, but it is probably the equivalent of like six in the morning still because I don't know, wacky nights and you're waking up early shit. Um, let's see. Boris, you're definitely not an early riser type to um, my knowledge. Quinn, yeah, probably sleeping in a bit. Hoblet, um, so you're feeling a little sick this morning, uh, but are you doing anything about it in the uh, early hours to try to get yourself back where you need to be? Um, Pregnard got up and he, he made some coffee already. Ooh, yeah. We're sipping. Yep. So he's yes, to, he's trying to scrounge up some fixings for some flapjacks too. Ooh, Coffee nice. is made, and anyone who yeah. isn't in that early riser group would awaken to the scent of perfectly brewed coffee. Nearly heavenly. It is. Now, in the middle of this room, and we didn't really explore the common area of the room too much, there appears to be what would be a fire pit on most people's uh, back porches. You know, um, you know, uh, maybe about two feet high, all about two feet wide. And in it, overnight was sort of a ethereal, dimly burning green flame. Green, green flame. flame! There we go. Green uh, flame. Green flame. What is this, this morning, it's a little <laughs> less dim, it's a little more orange, a little more morning-y, but it's still sort of an ethereal, magical flame that's burning with uh, no readily discernible fuel or anything like that. Uh, there are maybe about a half dozen chairs of varying sizes, but all very cushily upholstered, a couple of uh, side and end tables around the area. The sort of area where... Uh, a party could uh, maybe meet in the morning and discuss plans or something like that while sitting around this little area. Um, Pregnard, if you were looking to cook, you could almost certainly set up uh, some sort of grill or something right over the top of this ethereal flame and uh, cook it right the heck out. I'm going to cook some ethereal flapjacks. Oh, man. Oh, my gosh. Cinnamon flapjacks. Nice. Cinnamon flapjacks. Do you have any sort of... Um, 
ability that would govern cooking. I don't think they really put that in the fifth edition, but uh, whatever ability. Oh, can you would we just say that Pragnaric is an amazing cook? He's cooked everything perfectly up until this point. If he messes up the pancakes, I'm going to be devastated. I think we usually do performance. <laughs> yeah, well, let's let's make it a quick performance check at advantage. I rolled two 14s. That's a 19. Yeah, the, these are to the Pregnart standard. And in the in the vein of these ethereal pancakes, for some reason, they are a light shifting blue. For reasons mm. that you cannot discern. However, they are the best pancakes you've had in either quite really some nice time Really nice crispy or edge on them. Dude crushed it. And he did it over a grill. There wasn't even a flat top there. He did it on a grill. He grilled flapjacks. It's not even possible. He still <laughs> did it. The frogman knows his, knows his shit. So, here you are at about, we're going to call it 7 in the morning now. Most of you are awake. If, uh, if not, you are about to be awake. Having a literally impossible breakfast starting your morning in the house of Bruhoff Lightfoot in heaven. And not long after, there is a rap on the door, and Bruhoff himself enters. He's uh, wearing what looked very unscientifically to be a pair of exceptionally dirty coveralls. They were blue at one point, but they're mostly brown and black, his hair sticking up in various directions like uh, like the male pattern anime hair suffer that he is. Uh, walks in. Morning! Good morning, Ruhoff. I'm glad one of you can say something. Hope you have good news. There's news. We're more or less ready to go. Got some of the apparatus set up. And let me tell you, I had to spend most of the damn night setting up apparatus. What the strange energies everywhere. Something does not want this to go off today. Yeah, that checks out. Um, I really appreciate, once again, like you going through the effort here. You are literally saving the universe, probably. Yeah, yeah, nothing I haven't done before. So modest. I mean, at Bruhoff Lightfoot, the transmutationist, people don't just send, like, piles of lead over me to turn into gold. I mean, that's amateur hour stuff. Of course I'm saving the world. Men of talents like mine save the world. We don't get eggs from the store. Oh no, we invent a new chimera bird that makes brand new kinds of eggs. And then we invent a machine that shrinks the two-foot eggs down into small, crackable eggs. And sometimes, sometimes, we use the scientific we. I appreciate that. I can appreciate that. Uh, well, I, show, show us the way, please. I, I, we, I, we are, time is of the essence. I could be stricken down and smited by Valen any second now. So this would be great if you could just, yeah, we could just move it a lot. 
any of us could be smitten by Valen at any given second. You're going to have to do a lot better than that. And as far as showing you the way, I'm afraid that most... Okay, all of my procedures are highly proprietary and slightly flammable. So no, I'm not going to show you the way. But come follow me. We will make it to the area. Listen, I'm not really a creative sort, okay? I am. I'm not word create. Stop staring at me, damn you! Would you like... I, I, Felix tries to look anywhere else in the room while still maintaining a conversation with him because he's trying to be polite but doesn't really know what like, what the fuck he wants from me. It's okay, because Ruhoff hasn't actually made eye contact with anyone since you've met him. Okay, fair. Dude's all over the place, looking up at the ceiling while addressing someone who's, like, off to the right of him. He, he, he's taken mad science to a whole new art form. <clears throat> okay. All but right. anyway. All right. Yeah, the talkative one and all the rest of you non-talkative folks. Come on, let's go. That's stuff to do. And stumps down a hallway and passes no less than 30 doors in a straight line. Makes a left down two flights of stairs, makes a right up another three flights of stairs. Definitely does not fit within the confines of the building that you entered. We've After, been to Legradex. We're used to this shit now. Oh, we've been to Legradex. Whoop-de-doo. Anyway, when we get off on any wild tangents or talking about places that may or may not exist... But if they did exist, are highly unimpressive. Sorry, I did. I wasn't trying to. Okay, all right. I wasn't saying anything, but your house is very impressive. <clears throat> As if. And enters a room that appears to be one of those old-time operating theaters with like a you know, a bowl of seats looking down over a circular room that's maybe about 20 feet below that. It's got, you know, an old operating table with the segments on it, and you know, like the arms that detach so you can like really strap somebody to it. And maybe about 15 feet away on what would be the opposite side of that circle is a two foot tall pedestal with a small wooden bowl. Okay, so here are the things I'm going to need. You, the talkative one with the gem. And as he is saying that, he is looking. He is looking through Boris, you know, presumably addressing Felix, who is maybe 15 feet away. You, the talkative one with the gem in your head. Go strap yourself into the chair. Okay. It's not in the form of a chair right now, and you would not be able to get the straps on yourself anyway. Uh, so about the chair and the straps, uh, is, how, how does Would that you happen? stop bothering me with details? I'm, I'm just trying to follow instructions. Um, I guess Jarrell will try to strap him in with his... A lot of medical knowledge here. <laughs> the, 
there are no less than 30 straps on this damn thing. Some of them are leather. Some are like nylon tie downs. There are a couple of broken shoelaces that are tied back together. The padding on this thing is somewhat uneven. It looks like it was cobbled together out of several different operating tables and maybe a dentist's chair. <laughs> um, Confidence is sky high right now. Oh, uh, Jarrell did roll an 18. Well, good. Medicine check. Excellent. Felix, you are restrained. Consider yourself grappled for the purposes of anything that would check against grappling. Do I think that's going to come up? Probably not. Okay, excellent. So we've got the one subject. So where, where's our where's our other subject? Where's our broken coin, gem, uh, Crown, it's, diamond? It's, thing? it's I, I say through my restraints. It's in my my bag. That's right there next to the next to the chair. Well, why didn't you put those shards in the bowl first, like I told you to? You didn't say that. Wait a second. No, that was the other time. Don't worry about it. The what? Don't worry about it. (laughs) But I do need you or someone like you to put the thing being repaired into the bowl. Okay, Jarrell, Jarrell, Jarrell. I need you to reach into my bag and just think about Hedrick and you'll pull out the shards. Okay, Jarrell does as instructed. You don't happen to have anything else Hedrick related in that bag, do you? I do not. Okay, good. Then uh, the shirts come out on the first try. All in your hand. It's like you reach in and they were all right there, all together. Okay. Miraculous. You mean embarrassingly, like an old pair of Hedrick's underwear doesn't come out of there? If Felix has to somehow explain why it's in his bag of holding. <laughs> not this time. That or, you know, out of tune loot or. Uh, oh. You know, cloud giant toenail. Edric would be embarrassed to have that. An out of tune loot. Well, I mean, I, I, I assume that there are temperature changes inside of a bag of holding. I don't know, actually. Actually, there probably aren't, but that's right, not that something that we know. Yeah, know. that's kind of the point it, of a bag of holding is that it just kind of like puts things in there and it's just they're there in an extra dimensional space. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to count out the existence of crappy bags of holding. Ooh. Yeah, knockoffs. I don't buy knockoffs. You don't know, man. Sometimes the labels, you can't tell. I had this custom made for me, okay? Hang on. I am making sure I put knockoff bag of holding in my notes because that could be an entire adventure right there out of those words. Unfortunate bag of folding. There are all kinds of places that can go at another time in another place. But anyhow. Okay. Are you going to put them in the bowl? I do. Okay. You going to put them in the bowl? I did. <laughs> oh, this isn't that time either. Gah! Okay. Uh... What do you mean by that? I could tell you 
but no, I can't tell you either. Oh, good. Okay. Okay. Excellent. So we've got subject one in place. We've got subject two in place. Fantastic. So, this is going to be about, and he looks at his arm where their watch should be, brushes it a few times to, like, move the hairs on his wrist a little bit. Then sighs exasperatingly. A two-day process. We don't have that kind of time. What do you mean you don't have that kind of time? I specifically instructed you to bring time. You didn't ask for that either. What is going on? Crap. Maybe it is that time. Okay. So what we need is time. Uh-huh. You need the time transplant? <laughs> he needs more time. <laughs> Running out of time. <laughs> Give me four cc's of time, Steph. Uh, bring the time. I'm not sure which time it is. My breakfast had too much time in it. Okay. I'm going to need you to go get some time. Not you. Unless there's a different version of you. But the others of you, I need you to go get time. It's downstairs. I will give you the directions. Okay. Don't give them the hoblet. <laughs> Pregnard holds an outstretched hand with a little herbaceous thyme in, inside of it. Oh, that's exactly what I had too much of in my breakfast. Weren't you listening? Ah. Uh. There's a bit of a pause after uh, after Bruhoff snaps so rudely at Pregnard. What is that buzzing? That wasn't here before. Was it? Was it here after? Where is it coming from? What buzzing? Well, you could... You're trying to find uh, find a sound, right? I Something sure that could possibly be perceived. You're I think bad. you might need to make a perception check there. <laughs> hey, hey, 15? Well, something's coming from the bowl. Uh, Jarrell will walk over to the bowl. Uh, he doesn't touch it because he doesn't want to be yelled at. <laughs> um, but he will see if he can hear anything coming out of it. What do we hear? A five-part harmony begins to resonate throughout the bowl and starts to fill the space. It fills your ears. Oh. I don't know how this is going to sound in a five-part harmony, but... Cut my life into pieces. This is my final chord. In a diamond, my kingdom. Broken shards denying my freedom. Would it be right? Could it be wrong? If I wrote another song trapped inside far too long, my sanity's moving on and my contemplation's amplified. 
Yo, it all started with the hand of Grothax jerking me off into the darkness. Time's fleeting, so I gotta impart this feeling of a diamond enclosing my carcass. Chances shattered every part of me. It's kind of hard to be living five-part harmony. This is not what life ought to be for a bard with a heart of gold. Because I'm losing my beat, losing my pride. Wish my friends could <laughs> let me outside. I'm incomplete, losing my rhymes. Hope the heroes can save me in time. Nothing is fine, frozen in time. Nothing is fine. Is this my final chord? Wow. Amazing. <laughs> That was the best one yet. Holy That's fucking incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Welcome back, Phil. Yeah. That's where we're going to call this episode of the Half Series Podcast. So glad you yeah. called us. And if you like us, and if you approve of this bullshit maneuver I've now pulled three times in this last campaign of bringing somebody back. It's our absolutely no preamble whatsoever. If you like these things, or if you are willing to tolerate them, we can be found on the internet. We're on such places as Reddit slash r slash Hapless Heroes Podcast. We're on Facebook, search for Hapless Heroes Podcast. We are on both Twitter and the gram at Hapless Heroes. Every single one of those social media outlets has some sort of sticky post, some kind of indicator, something in the description that will take you to the crown jewel of our internet presence, our Discord server, which is the place to interact with us it is the place where we have built ourselves a little D&D and other community that we have and we would love for you to come and join and be part of it with us because I mean community is what this game's all about and we would be better and richer for having you in it now, if you and really, regular social media is overrated anyways yeah or just sort of a poor way to engage with us because of you know mm-hmm. not media quite works the same but anyway if you really like us you could leave us five star review on the podcast service of your choice at this point you have found a podcast service that you like uh listening to us on and i don't want to rattle them off because i'm not sure which ones have review capability anymore i am almost certain apple um apple podcasts it is now itunes whatever they call it nowadays does but if you do leave us a review now if you're unable to do so just send it to us in an email or throw it in our throw it on our discord server when we see it we will read it out loud we will give you credit for said review that way that we can recognize you as the five-star human being that you are now if you really really like us you could donate to our patreon patreon.com slash hapless heroes yes patreon.com slash hapless heroes you do this every time yeah, I know. I do it every time, and even when I think I'm getting it right, I get it wrong. For some reason, I get it right less often than flipping a coin, which is bizarre. But anyway, go to there. Look at the different ways you could support our podcast, and donations through there truly do support our podcast. If uh, you are so kind, if you have the means and wherewithal to do so, we would very much appreciate it. Yeah, great rewards on there, you know, and just like, yeah, just just check it out, see if it's worth your money. All the money goes right back into the show, anyways. It just helps us keep this thing going for as long as we can possibly do it for. And if you like us, right now you like us, Sally Field, and the whole deal. Make the spiciest meatball 
and uh, feed it to uh, a nun and uh, film her <laughs> blast off to outer space due to her uh, flatulence thereafter. What? Doable. You heard me. <laughs> you heard me. <laughs> what I'm implying is that the uh, spiciest meatball ever will uh, give the nun such uh, digestive distress that, uh, that her farts will... will ignite uh, such a force from beneath her that she will blast off into outer space. That's okay. And we want and we want the video. And, okay. Uh, that's the spiciest meatball that has ever created. Yeah, how does that, what does that do for us? That's what I, uh, it, I'll get a real big kick out of it. We get the video. Yeah. That's what it does for us. We get the video. And I mean, when eventually this person definitely will be on the news, they'll say, why the fuck did you do this? You made the spiciest meatball ever and you fed it to a nun. Then, therefore, a flying nun. And they'll say, why? But why? And they will say, because. I was told to do so by <laughs> a stupid, stupid man who is on my favorite podcast, Hapless Heroes. Yeah. Mamma mia, mamma mia, wow. Hapless Heroes. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, then. Beelzebub might not have a devil set aside for me, but I have a whole cast set aside for you, and we are going to outro them from my left with Hoblet the Smasher, played by James. Well, it feels good to have a real singer back. <laughs> to his left, we have Lord and Captain Quinn Southwood, played by Mike. At least I smell good. To his left, in his glorious return, we have the one, the only, the Hedrick, the Entertainer, played by Phil. I've got to get out of this place if it's the last thing I ever do. To his left, we have Pregnart, played by Zach. Do you like my ad? To his left, we have Boris the Butcher, played by Nicole. This must be heaven. I hear Hedrick. To her left, we have Lord Jarrell the Light, played by John. Until next time. And to his left, we have the fabulous Felix Fizzlebottom, played by Francesco. What's all this time talk? How many times have we done this? My name is Dave, and I've been your host and Dungeon Master this evening. Thank you. Good night. Bye-bye now. Bye. 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 Bye.